Hello, and welcome to Mastering Dungeons. Why am I talking? Where's Sean? Uh, let's see. I see monster parts all over the place. There's a glass cube on the desk and a little mithril hammer. That's cute. It says, in case of host emergencies, break glass. All right, let's try this. Ooh, someone's showing up. Hey, it's B Zelda. Whoa, hello. I was hello. just feeding my sandworm. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, this was so kind of Sean Merwin to arrange for this. He's clearly wrestling monsters in his monster project. Um, mm -hmm. And I, we greatly appreciate you coming here to help us. And it's perfect timing because you have some huge news to share. Ooh, I do. I am the new, announced, illustrious, fabulous, marvelous yes. uh, community manager for Dungeons & Dragons Adventurers League. Wow. And it is a Con very, very fancy title that I yes. will tell anybody who will listen. Oh, it is worth getting business cards. Congratulations. <laughs> thank and you. thank you because you are doing hard work for the community. That's fantastic. I like humans, online or offline, for some strange reason. So this is really what I what I truly enjoy. That's a good skill to develop. Many of my <laughs> friends are trying to develop it. The uh, pandemic has really <laughs> removed that from us, you know? What are human beings in person? Don't know. Online? Very familiar. Yeah, and that with surging COVID cases, I uh, when I drive around and I see all the people gathering, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know that I like humans again. Like, I'm right. again afraid of masses. Uh, but you uh, tell us about yourself. I know you from the Dune live play that we're doing together, which is amazing. We're going to talk about that at the end of the show. Um, and I know you from the Broadswords, uh, which is awesome. But tell us all you do so much. You stream all kinds of games. Like tell us, tell me, uh, and, and um, the listeners. So I don't sleep. I just live in my computer <laughs> chair. Um, uh -huh. So I've got a long list of things that I'm involved in. Um, as you said, the Broadswords, uh, which is a actual play D and D uh, podcast. We've been doing that for about four years, where I just play a barbarian and roll very little. I work very <laughs> hard to make sure I never actually use the mechanics of the game. Uh -huh. Everybody sure. else has to, but not me. Um, I am a host of Anime Attaché, which is a podcast where we talk about the first season of My Hero Academia. Um, I am a member of Power Play, part of that cast, which is a stream and a podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. I stream a heckin' lot. Tuesdays, <laughs> I've got Dune. Thursdays, ooh, I think I'm recording the Broadswords that day. I'm also streaming for Origins Game Fair, where I yeah. talk to game designers, either RPGs, board games, if you do a game and you like anime, I will talk to you. That's and then cool. on Fridays, I am playing Swept Up, um, which is a kids on brooms game, which is just an excuse for me to be like a rude witchy person. And it's everything I've ever wanted. That sounds great. I have not played kids on brooms, uh, which I spelled kids on Brahms, which is also a great game, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I've not played kids on brooms or kids on bikes. None they of all them. sound fantastic. And oh, the clearly... systems are great. Yeah, Kids I need to space. get back to a convention and, and mm -hmm. have someone play roll it for me. And yeah, man, mm. online is also an option. I got all the tools in Roll Twenty. Ooh, all right, yeah, <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Wow, I uh, you do so much. That's impressive. <laughs> Got to keep myself busy when I'm living in a chair, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, that is that is true of all of us these days. Oh, um, isn't it? What you are now an AL community manager. How did this come to be? Uh, I was scrolling Twitter as I mm -hmm. do, 
And Amy had retweeted uh, the D&D AL post that was like, hey, we're looking for a community manager. And let me tell you, this entire pandemic, I think probably on a weekly basis, I have applied to CM positions. Uh Um, But for some reason, when I commented on Amy's post, Amy, who's the other community manager of uh, Adventurers League, a bunch of my friends hopped in and they were like, B would make an amazing candidate for this position. B is really talented. They should, like, they deserve this. And it was really sweet. And all of that, like community uplift um Mm -hmm. was basically the references that i needed uh so for the interview they were just it was so casual they're like hey we know you what's up how's your cats like what's going on do you do you actually want to talk about the interview or do you want to talk about you know cutting your cat's nails uh Uh, uh so it was it was wonderful you know that's great when people when people know you and know your capabilities then it's easier from both sides Mm -hmm. and amy linzera is great people uh fantastic so what does a community manager do? You know enough that you're just like, it's a CM. I'm like, Whoa. I was like, oh, yeah, now I got to know that acronym. Got to get um, the acronyms, yep. <laughs> what does a community manager do in addition to mastering acronyms? <laughs> well, in addition to mastering acronyms, it's really just staying up to date. Um, so I'm active in the Discord. I'm active on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, not TikTok yet, but it's just <laughs> interacting with the people in the community, making sure everybody's happy, answering questions, participating in coming up with silly pun names. Uh, it's just really involving yourself. And they have tried, they're trying to assign me this additional position where I'm going to be a D&D influencer. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, phrase to me really interesting because they're like in the tabletop world there are influencers and there are celebrities celebrities are people who have an established fan base before they played D and D influencers are folk who folks who have like made their i'm gonna use the word fame very loosely i have like one fan and they're lovely um <laughs> shout <laughs> out to that fan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so like when you're a D&D influencer, it's just like you have a bit of a following online, you know, you have a community that knows that you play D&D and they know that they can turn to you as like uh, an interested person in that community. Yeah. So uh, Adventures League want to leverage my position so I can just kind of like put more Adventures League out into the universe, but like yes. as myself and like to harness that power. I think they're, they're giving me too much, too much power. <laughs> too much power. Well, you know, I remember when uh, that position was posted that there was some talk about that, um, about that angle of, of I, mean, I think it was on the Yawning Portal blog site that mm-hmm. and the, talking about the position, but it was, it was talking about this idea of leveraging, um, influence and getting AL into more places. And it makes a lot of sense because a lot of times you have streamers who are doing things like, I just want to run a quick series of adventures. Oh, where will I turn to find this? And it's like, what if you turned to Adventures League and you found this right. nice series of adventures that are super fun to run? And, 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 but, but there's a lot to go through there because uh, your average person may not know what is a fun series. How do I get it? Which, you know, there's so many. If you, if you just go onto the guild and look for Adventures League, there's like a million things oh, to look at. Oh, it's overwhelming. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very intense. But like as a newbie, that's, you get scared and then you're going to go back mm-hmm. to your comfort zones. You know, you're going to watch <laughs> that one same stream over and over again. So I got to be yeah. that one streamer that's like, it's okay. It's not scary. Let me hold your hand and I'll guide you. That's super cool. I'm glad to hear about that. That's really neat. That's a fascinating angle. Yeah, you know, because we're both on the Dune live stream, uh, we got uh, copies of the Dune RPG on Roll20, which was super cool. 
and it was labeled something like influencer copy. And I was like, oh, yeah. I, I feel like I leveled up in some minor way, even though I'd feel <laughs> like really it's just an incorrect title being applied to me. I was still like, this is, you know, kind of cool. Ooh, I'm going to do a little oh, like pretend influencer dance. And, yeah, right? it is. It is. And I it is that. fun because we do struggle in this space. Sean and I sometimes talk about this on the show that, that there are. It, it's so complicated trying to work with influencers. It's just like social media platforms. Like you're trying to get something out of a system that often isn't clear how you're going to get those returns out of it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really interesting. That's cool that you'll wrestle with that. <laughs> um, so who who is on your sort of immediate like team? Who are your coworkers on the AL space? How how are you dovetailing to the rest of the yeah. AL team? Yeah. So my new work best friends are in fact Amy and then Matt. Um, they are just going to be my partners in crime. I have already harassed them for about an hour this morning, um, <laughs> and they are not in my time zone, so I'm very grateful for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they are just like my resources. They are my safety net. They will answer all the questions that I don't know how to answer because I'm still learning all the new acronyms. There are so many acronyms that I have to learn. It is very true. Yeah, too many. <laughs> my world is acronyms. Isn't it? I have a my day job is full of acronyms and it's both tech and environmental. And then I have all these gaming hobby and acronyms. And there's a lot of crossover, the, yeah. you know? And we forget when we use them. We just throw them out there and nobody knows what we're talking about. And yep. Then they have to go Google it later. <laughs> um, cool. So, uh, you know, do you want to talk about anything else related to AL or D&D? &D? Anything else going on? Uh, not just yet, more or less like I'm just because I'm kind of easing into the position, mm -hmm. I'm really, really contemplating like how am I going to utilize my influencer role? Um, and prior to me sitting in this spot, Latia, um, she yeah. used to be the one that had this position. And like I've looked up to Latia for years. Sure. Uh, like her and I were up for that same position for uh, Monty Cook that she's now the community manager for. Um, and I just, I didn't mm -hmm. have the resume. I didn't have like the cool Latia hair. I just, I couldn't <laughs> hold up. So looking at what like she had done before, um, a lot of like her, her fingers had been in Rivals of Waterdeep. There had been a lot of really yeah. good content that had been published um, and created because of Latia's influence. And I want to take her powers harness them Absolutely. myself you know put them into like a, a necklace and you know close it for uh use later and i like I, streaming streaming is really my baby um mm -hmm. podcasting just a way that folks can engage with me and mm -hmm. learn about what the what the community has to offer yeah it's fascinating uh, that is so different because uh like this is such a new space but i think for for folks who are younger than me it feels a lot more natural and just the way things are. Uh, but, you know, I, I made a website in the Mozilla days. And so, <laughs> and, and, but I think two right things there. are true. One is that there is this amazing ability for people to establish themselves uh, and, and, and gain an interaction with community, uh, be recognized for proficiency, proficiencies, you know, just, that new, and that's where that influencer kind of comes from is that recognition of, of people being in the space. At the same time, the things that one uses for this, the YouTube, the Twitch, the, all of that, mm -hmm. are these kind of harmful platforms in some ways. And, and there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, things that look like success, but aren't, oh, we could have a whole 
show oh, on this word. Beat. Yeah, just that as a conversation <laughs> and trying to navigate that in the parasocial relationships and trying to like <sighs> maintain your community without crossing any any boundaries that you've established and oh, how to right. maintain your audience. Yeah, that's a whole. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's really good stuff. It's good stuff. Maybe uh, if if we ever hit on that, we'll bring you back to talk about that because that is it is an interesting topic to me. Um, and I think for a lot of older D and D players, it's often a, a thing that 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 one has to really think through and work through of what it all means and how it should all you know where will it go? What does it mean? It's mm -hmm. fascinating stuff. But we have a lot of news, B. Ooh, yeah, we do. Um, the big thing that happened, uh, you know, if you're not living under a D and D rock, uh, which is a gallop door and and alive, careful. Um, <laughs> it's that <laughs> thanks. Uh, D&D Live just happened this last weekend, and they announced a new book. Did you hear about this, B? I did, and I'm really, really hyped for it. Also, D&D Live, they had some amazing guests for that. Like, Yeah. Again, celebrity guests. Mm -hmm. I'm a sucker for that. I mean, yeah, it, it is It is something to see some of these people play D&D. So, like, yeah, like you're saying, it was this combination of, like, we're going to give you news, we're going to give you famous and recognized people and influencers um and and then just there were surprises there were some big surprises that we're gonna get to uh so the first thing is this new, new book i think that's a lot of what your average dnd fan was looking at and oh, it's yeah. called fizzband's treasury of dragons comes out on october 19th um and there's all three books that we're going to talk about have alt covers this alt cover have you seen this i haven't Oh, it is. You've got to look this up. Can it's you, two you dragons. Ew, yeah, i got to find where it is. Um, oh, yeah, in that link in our show notes. There will be a link in the show notes, folks. Um, at, in that page, there is a... Uh, both covers are now on the D&D &D page for that site. Oh and it's gosh. got these, like, swirling dragon heads, one above the other. Like, yes. sort of your, your Bahamut, Tiamat kind of battle thing. Uh, that kind of concept, I don't know that it's actually TMN Bam, but I think it's just a red dragon and some other dragon, but, um, it's really cool and That's gorgeous. Oh my word. I had a lot of fun listening to interviews and coverage of Fizzband's treasury of dragons. Uh, I am totally excited for this. Don't get me wrong, but I also couldn't help but listen to all this and go like, Oh, it's another Draconomicon, which mm -hmm. is a, a book that has existed in second edition and third edition and fourth edition, but it gets a new flashy title, which in, is in line with things like Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes and, uh, Tasha's and Xanathar's and all that. Um, and I think it's a lot like Morden Kanan's or Volo's in that a third of the book is a bestiary. Um, and we're going to get godlike great worms. We're going to get gem dragons, which started in Dragon Magazine. Friend of the show, Enrique, uh, newbie DM. He was covering this uh, over the weekend and on Twitter, mm -hmm. um, the fun history behind the gem dragons. Some of the monsters, I think it's the great worms, will use the mythic monsters feature from Theros book, which is sort of like you're fighting a monster twice. Because okay. when you kill it, its mythic form comes up and it, you fight that too. Boss battle. Mm-hmm. Super boss battle. Awesome stuff. Um, and we get subclasses for the Monk and Ranger, which we saw in an Arcana article earlier. The Way of the Ascendant Dragon uh, is the Monk, and the Drake Warden is the Ranger. Dragonborn lineages descended from the Psionic Gem Dragons. 
they had goofy art that showed the like dragonborn like crest parts of their head sort of <laughs> levitating above the rest of their head which makes no sense at all to me but i am a fan of goofy things in D, so i <laughs> you know sign me up for it fourth edition had psionic halos around everybody's head which i thought oh, was I super goofy but why Again, not? Yeah, it sounds really cute, though. Therefore, I like oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, new spells, magic items, things like that. So, that, of course, there are all these character options. And then DM tools. There is a lot of lore here, uh, tools for DMs to design dragon-themed encounters, adventures, and campaigns. And this is something that I love from the Draconomicon books, where they'll have, like, this amazing art about the layers of each one. So, it'll say, like, you know, if a black dragon lives in a swamp, what might it look like? Yes. It's a layer. How does it protect itself? That's so, so integral to dragons is their layers yeah. because that yeah. impacts what they are and their environment and how they can take advantage of that. Yes, totally. Um, and then there's a the thing about horde. The horde focus something like the horde itself will focus the magic that suffuses dragons and connects them to the myriad worlds of the material plane. And there's something here about a new cosmology that will come out in this book. Um, we've seen iterations in third edition and then fourth editions spectacularly. So which fourth edition kind of said that the world started with dragons versus primordials and that war then shaped everything after it. And whereas I think in older editions, it was a little more like long ago, there were elves and, and before that there were dragons. Mm hmm and the elves kind of learn the dragon magic and then humans eventually learn magic from these and and gain more power and the other things sort of shifted out in a sort of tolkien way um so it'll be interesting to see how this comes forward and and there's sort of this angle that a dragon can exist in more than one plane and sort of its horde has some kind of connection to that so it'll be interesting to see how they that's move what that, that means i was trying to like put in my brain like what what does that how do they handle their horde but that's really lovely and again very dragon-esque very it's much so yeah bigger than life yeah and all of it will be told through the lens of fizban who in the dragonlance Did series you of read novels dragonlance series because fizban yeah. was a wacko <laughs> Totally. Like, yeah, right? Like, what I was, did not what was the like whole, that character. <laughs> like, he does feather fall spell, but it ends up being like, uh, what is it? Does it end up being a bunch of pillows filled with feathers? Or Probably. it's some, like, it's, it's not the normal feather fall spell. It's like a weird yeah. version of it in, in one of the early novels. And, um, but he is secretly, spoiler for Dragonlance, the <laughs> avatar. Spoilers. Of the good platinum dragon god, Paladin, which we might call Bahamut in other yeah. settings. It's never entirely clear for the same thing. Just like Takeshi's is, is Tiamat in other worlds. And are they the same? Who knows? Is it a reflection or is it the same? Um, but Ray Winger, who's the executive producer for D&D, said this is not a Dragonlance setting book. It, but I, maybe it has draconians in it, so that could be interesting. But I guess it gives you a taste of it. And uh, Totally. Yeah. So that's a that's cool. New book, yeah, October nineteenth. That'll be great. Um, coming out a month before that is the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. We've talked about this before, but there were some new details for this faith themed adventure. The writers are uh, AL alums Stacy Allen and Will Doyle. Yeah, they are fantastic people and some of my favorite writers out there. 
uh, super creative people. Just super, these are the kinds of folks that can, they, they're doing cartography and writing, you know, they're talented in multiple areas when they're not creating video games and raising children, raising a child. It's just That's so oh, much. people like that. So Truly good. Truly talented. <laughs> yeah. I can't manage that. Oh my word. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, it is hard. <laughs> and I certainly cannot draw. And and they are so good. And so I, one of the fun things was there's this picture of the carnival that is featured in this adventure. Um, because a big part of this is Mr. Light and Mr. Witch, I think it is, which is why it's called Witch Light. Um, and, and the carnival, Stacy and Will put into this tie-ins to the 80s D&D cartoon. Like in the map, there is this roller coaster oh for the carnival, and it is the roller coaster with the kind of dragon <laughs> cave entrance from the 80s cartoon. Oh, that is so good. We also got to hear that Warduke, Kellick, and Strongheart from the 80s cartoon will be in there oh my goodness. Uh, as NPCs. So that's just amazing. Oh, that's great. Everybody's going to want to interact with them. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and, and even if, if you never heard of the 80s cartoon, I think it's going to be a fun way to relate to this and 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 have a link into some of D&D's history. Um it's for levels 1 to 8 so it's a shorter type of experience and there are some talks here from Chris Perkins that uh there are a lot of nods to the past in this adventure not just the 80s cartoon like uh one of the uh, one of the clowns is called Thaco the clown which comes from the to hit armor class 0 of second edition. Oh my goodness. And Thaco the Clown is a really clever, you know, joke, kind of inside joke thing. Um, that would have went right over my head, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he said that uh, some of the playtest results were like, we just wanted to stay in the carnival. And there's a whole second part to the adventure, but apparently the carnival is such that you could just throw that into an adventure and then move on because it's so much fun, this real whimsical experience. Uh, after that, you go to the Feywild itself for the the sort of second part of the adventure. Um, and it, it feels a little bit like some of the domains that you see in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, ties into it, which we've been talking about, Sean and I, on the show, Ooh. that there is a carnival in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft in one of the domains. And it's that they have traded carnivals. The carnival uh, owners have traded carnivals with each other. So there are some reflections in this and the story ties into that sort of trade that took place. That's really Um, cool. I would definitely only play in a carnival given the option. Like I love the Feywilds. Don't get me wrong. One of my favorite settings, but like carnival kind of cooler. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Uh, there are a lot of spoilers and, and more information on the stream. We're we're gonna keep away from that, um, mm-hmm. but maybe co- go into it once once the book is out. Um, the uh, story inspiration for this includes Ray Bradbury's "Something Wicked This Way Comes," and we'll see. You know, in the past we've seen some of these story inspirations that later we're like, oh. Okay, sure. I see elements of this, but it's not heavy. So we'll see how much it, it is in there. Um, time is a component of this adventure with yes. time moving differently in the Feywild versus the Shadowfell. I've been having to answer. Well, I've been looking at the questions that were, you know, people who are playtesting this and like, how does that affect things? Because that is such a new mechanic and a new element. And it's yeah. very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, Chris Perkins said that all of the challenges in this adventure can be handled without combat. That seems about right for Fae Adventure. 
my kind of game. Yep. Um, but, you know, certainly there's plenty of damage and combat to be had if one wants it, but there are ways to get through that without. Uh, there's also part of the adventure where you can take custard damage. Custard damage? Uh-huh. A new damage type apparently is what? invented for this adventure. Custard damage. Oh, my goodness. I... So you probably don't have resistance to that, folks. I need that. <laughs> that is fabulous. There had been a unearthed arcana that introduced um, the fairy and rabbit folk races, and those apparently will be here. The same unearthed arcana article had a variant hobgoblin that was like a fey hobgoblin, but... Someone yeah. said that this is for another product, and so not actually in this book. So that's interesting. Hmm. Um, and then there nice are some backgrounds. See. Yeah, yeah, very nice to see. The Phalost and the Witchlight Hand. Um, then there's a whole bunch of minis, and bear with me, B, because I love minis. <laughs> All right, I'm um, ready for this. Yeah. So there are visible NPC minis that are tied to this adventure. Um, which is usually there's a sealed set and there is going to be a sealed box set of minis, but there's also a bunch of NPCs. This is similar to what we, they did for the redo of Strahd. Uh, League of Malevolence includes Warduke from the 80s cartoon and Kellogg from the 80s cartoon, as well as Skyla, Ringle Run's former apprentice, <laughs> Zarak, the half-orc assassin, and Zargash, the evil cleric. These are kind of 80s names, aren't they? The names are so bad, they're great. Like... Yeah. Oh my gosh, like old school fantasy vibes, so strong. Zargash. Totally, totally. <laughs> it, it, you never knew whether we were kidding or serious in the 80s when we named something. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a second visible mini set called Valor's Call, and this has Strongheart the Paladin, Ringle Run. And this guy is a wizard who, if you've seen the kind of alt, it's kind of like an alt cover. It was like sort of the second cover for the 1983 AD&D Player's Handbook. And it's sort of this swirling misty blue with this wizard in front with like big white beard. So that is Ringle Run. Uh, so right that's now. kind of also cool coming from D&D's past. Molliver, the good Keef, Elk Thief, Elkhorn, the dwarf fighter, and Mercyon, the cleric. Um, and this is kind of fun. I, I remember that there had been art, I think it was in Tasha's, that showed Kellek. Um, so very fun to see this. Like them uh, come to life with yeah, the, the yeah. knees. Oh. Uh, there's also going to be a Witchlight Carnival set that has 10 or so visible minis that are also NPCs from the carnival. Oh One of them is like sort of like a merfolk type person in a giant ball of water. Like there's some, uh, you know. I want that. I don't, I don't own very... a single mini and I want that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, this is unfortunately $80, but. Oh, yeah, that's is, up there. Is that a lot of minis? I've never minis. bought one. Okay. This is expensive for 10 minis, yeah. But, okay. uh, but I mean, I, I guess they are kind of larger, kind of fantastic things. Uh, mm. I think Thaco the Clown is one of them. Um, then a separate one, WizKids is making a swamp gas balloon. This is a hot air balloon what? that has space in the little, like, gondola thing to add minis. Oh. And then it's elevated on a stand, $80 okay. as well. But that's I lied, really cool. I want that one. Yeah, that is going on my to-buy list. Oh, that is so then, cute. This is the first time this has happened. There is a WizKids miniature set called Collector's Edition that is like a one of everything for this entire series. Oh it's $750. That's up there. Yeah, that, that, is, is, that up is up there. there. <laughs> and uh, it includes 81 minis. So you oh get gosh. one of every mini in the collectible blind box set. 
thing. So it's a full set, all rares, uncommons, common, one, one, one of everything. That alone is not a good buy because you can get a case of minis for about 460 or something, 480, I don't remember, 450? Yeah, oh. 450. Um, so if you pay 450, you would get one of every rare and then several uncommons and multiple commons. So that would be a better deal. But wait, there's more. <laughs> you also get in this collector's edition all 11 minis in both premium sets, all 10 minis from the starter sets, all seven promotional minis, and two unique minis only appearing in this set. That's how they get you, collectors. Ooh, yep. One of them is Tasha. <gasps> really? Yeah. And then oh, some multi-page cool. booklet as a checklist. But... So given that it includes all the premium stuff, it's probably a good idea. What I don't know is whether this thing is only available through WizKids or could it be that this 750 set will be available in online retailers and that could bring the price down or that it could be your giant gift to the local gaming store's economy when you buy it there. I don't know. That I don't know. Okay, but it is available for pre-order. for you then. What's that? I have a very serious question for you. Yeah, please. Would you ever drop $750 for all of those minis? Like, is uh, yeah. that a... Because I'm not a collector. I yeah. don't collect anything except cat hair. Like, so I don't know... <laughs> <laughs> Premium cat hair is, is Premium available. cat hair. Yeah, right uh, from the source. So sadly, yes, but only because I have a really good day job. And what I usually do is my day job pays bills pays for children to go to college, all those kinds <laughs> of things. And my wife also works and has a really good day job. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, when I write and I do my hobby, my hobby funds my hobby. Oh my gosh, that's smart. That right. Is good. So if I get, you know, $500, $1,000 for a writing assignment, I then get to decide what to do with that money. <laughs> and and the great joy is often buying things that I would in no other way have purchased as a person who was very poor growing up uh, and struggled all through college and graduate school and all that sort of stuff. So there's no earthly way I would have done this in the past, but now I literally, you know, my, my hobby allows me to do this fun expenditure. So yes. I would. I love that. I'm I'm con I'm even considering it already. You know, <laughs> see, because it's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, do you? That's what where do you, you have do to look at. Minis? Do you take pictures? Do you post them on like an Instagram? Like, if I wanted to admire somebody else's miniature yeah. figurines, like where? Because I'm never going to uh, buy them. I just want to look at them and be like, that's cool. I sometimes do Twitter threads, and okay. uh, my blog often covers mini sets. Awesome. Okay, yeah, so, folks so can admire I do your. Because it sounds like you might have an extensive collection, I just might. based on your passion. Thanks to a friend of mine, I have what is probably one of the largest miniature collections. Like for example, there is a what? rare, yeah, again, thanks to this person who is, you know who you are, you're amazing. Uh, there, there is, for example, the Pit Fiend miniature that okay. came out in fourth edition that I think each one costs like, I don't know, 175 to a hundred dollars. Oh, I might have more than 12 of those. Oh my word. Thanks to this person. So, and and, and, <laughs> and that's just person. a sample of some of the absurdity of my collection. So yeah, I know it's an I'm illness. I'm impressed and terrified. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But WizKids is making so much that I honestly can no longer catch up. I used to try to have all everything and it's impossible to do, <laughs> to do that. We, 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 all of us who have this illness agree. <laughs> but some people are smart. They just sit there with a little crossbow man figure and they use that for everything. And, and that's, that's probably all they need. what and I that's, would do. That's the, that's the good way to do it. 
Um, but there are some nice things that entice you here. Uh, not only uh, with the WizKid minis, there is the Witchlight Carnival Dice and Miscellany for a very reasonable $30. You get a dice set in orange and purple, 11 mm -hmm. dice. You get a felt line box that doubles as a dice tray and illustrated double-sided player-friendly map of the Witchlight Carnival, concept art on the other, and 19 double-sided reference cards with NPCs, creatures, locations, games, and other features of the carnival. Oh, that's really good. $30 yeah. too. And they've done these kinds of things for Avernus and Icewind Dale and things like that. They're great little sets. This is a super fun. This is like, the, to me, this is like the perfect Christmas gift. You know, you ask for this for your holiday gift and you will get, you'll be so happy with it. Reading the lore on the cards and the art, the dice. It's great. Also available because there's more. <laughs> Ooh. Beetle and Grimm's that make these premium, amazing versions of every adventure announced this weekend both silver and platinum editions of Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Uh, it was discounted for the weekend, so I don't think it's, it's, you now have to pay the street prices, which are 175 for silver and 500 for platinum. But I looked That's at the silver and platinum. Jump. Oh, my word. You know, a lot of it is that they're including things like minis and a plushie and a few other things. But <gasps> Oh, I love plushies. I, so, yeah. So if you love that, then, you know, and you have $500, you will, you will not be disappointed. Uh, I have seen both silver and platinum editions. They are amazing. Okay. But a plushie this, of what? This is, this is the game changer question because yeah. I, I, I will never drop that amount of money because I, that's not where I have my hobbies, but like. I love plushies. So. so I don't, you know, I don't remember, but they've had like, they had a, um, is her name Lilu, the, the holophant that was in uh, descent into Avernus. It's not Lulu. Lilu. It's Lulu. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So she was in, um, the, uh, she was the plushie in that set. Yes. Um, I think there might've been a snowy owlbear in the frostman. Oh I remember, but uh, yeah, like they're usually the very cute. You know, if you like plushies, you would want this. Um, but the silver one is honestly, for $175, if you're going to get together with your friends and play through an adventure, and you want these super cool maps, super cool fold uh, DM screen, fold-out images of monsters you can put over the screen to show your players, like this is a really big benefit. And if your friends are willing to help you, you would all have a wonderful campaign. And 175 would be honestly a steal for what this provides. So take a look at it. It's pretty neat. That's a lovely way of putting it too. You know, you got your gaming table. Why not just be like, hey group, this would benefit all of us. Right. And we all pitch for it. If we're all, you know, in agreement. That's uh -huh. heckin' lovely. Aw. I think so. That's what Monte Cook has been trying to say to people. Like, don't just buy it on your own. Like, see it mm. as a sort of investment in your whole gaming experience. And suddenly, you know, when you divide this out over the number of times you play, it's not that bad, right? It's yeah. cheaper than going to the movies for everybody. Oh my word, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and no COVID. Uh, so <laughs> last book, which we have was Strixhaven. We didn't hear a ton about Strixhaven, but they did say one thing that I thought was super interesting, which is that there were a set of unearthed arcana subclasses that allowed multiple classes to take each one. So you might be wizard, druid, sorcerer could take a particular subclass. And then another set of spellcasters could take another one. And Apparently the player feedback was negative, so this has been scrapped, and instead we'll see character options like feats tied to specific college and other ways to kind of give you that college membership experience. Huh. Which is neat. 
I'm a little bummed that they scrapped it, but like I like the way that mm -hmm. they're trying to reintegrate that same feeling, just mechanically different. Yeah, yeah, and and they said, and they, this is the also so one thing is that I am a little sad because I well I didn't love the particular design. My my things were more like this is too powerful or it might slow down gameplay. It was less the idea that multiple classes can take one thing, which while it is a little by unbalanced I, as a player okay. i don't care about that well it, I it's don't weird. play games to break them i play them yeah exactly to be chaotic so yeah <laughs> yeah i don't care whether as a bard i lost something or gained something compared to a wizard like that is mm -hmm. my last worry um to me more it's is this subclass fun and is it balanced and going to create good play at the table exactly um, so what they said, Jeremy Crawford said they learned that fans want subclasses to speak to the distinctiveness of a particular class and that subclasses should be applicable to multiple settings. So that they didn't like that these were Strixhaven focused. Huh. Interesting. Okay. I actually feel the opposite. I actually love the idea of things that really just focus me in on an experience mm -hmm. and I'm okay if they don't super work. I later, understand but, yeah. why folks would want that to be like in the bigger picture since there's so much content to be able to like reapply but for the sake of the folks who are making this i think i understand why they were trying to keep it narrow <laughs> yeah yeah so interesting stuff um they also announced during this show so much news <laughs> 10 dms challenge finalists were announced yeah. uh andrew bashinsky brian curran melissa kester aaron merrick abdul mahmoud and nicole's David Nichols, David Reynolds, Angela Elise Simpson, Danielle Solano, Sergio Solorzano, and Brad Thompson. I love the diversity in these names. Yes. Really cool showing it that, you know, this nice? is not just. Uh, Remember back in the day when it would all be like <clears throat> straight yeah. white man names? Yeah, yep. it would have been yep, everybody yep, yep. Chad. <laughs> Tom. Uh, Tom. <laughs> Sorry if there's any Toms out there. I'm sure Don you're great. Tom, yeah. <laughs> uh, and really, shout out to everybody who's called Chad, Tom, or yes. Don. You're keeping it alive. Keep doing it. Be a good one. Um, but no, but it's really cool to see uh, just how this is clearly reaching out further. And given that because of the limitations of contest designs, companies can't easily run contests in tons of countries. So most of mm -hmm. Asia was excluded for this. Um, I think a lot of Latin America, uh, parts of okay. Canada, you yep. know, so that's, and that's due to the legalese of it. It's, it's not because wizards hates those countries. Um, <laughs> so I'm told, no, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Can't confirm or deny. No, no. <laughs> I think we can confirm. We can, um, we're good. <laughs> they do not hate the other countries. Um, but so now these 10 contestants will be doing weekly competitions one to two are going to be eliminated every week. And I'm not entirely sure how much coverage we'll see of this, but, it, you know, how are they going to make this into a cooking show? I have no idea. <laughs> but I do know that by the end of it, the top three will be given a final challenge and the winner will be announced during D&D celebration. Uh, congratulations to, to the top ten, but to yeah, anyone who entered, because if you made an entry, mm -hmm. then you took that voyage, that step to kind of create for an audience which is very hard if you haven't done that before. And that is the greatest gift. Yeah, we respect the drip. A lot of work goes into that. So thank you to everybody yep. who, who participated. Yeah, totally. Um, now, B, tell me that I saw and did not hallucinate this next item. Mm -hmm. Did you see this? 
Is it the Want Nerds Candy? Yes, <laughs> Dandy Nerds. So excited for that. I love branded nerdy things and it's nerds, you know? Like it's just, it's a beautiful yeah. marriage Perfect. between two nonsensical things being brought together. And it just makes my candy loving heart very happy. It is amazing. Uh, I happen to like Nerds Candy. There are a lot of candies that over time I've been like, yeah, I no longer like that. It's too <laughs> Why did sweet I eat or that as a child? Yeah. Nerds has stuck with me. I will definitely <laughs> always take this from the uh, Halloween candy pile. Yes. And now there is a super reason to do so. Uh, well, first, like I said, there are two commercials that are really cute. They are wonderful. Little wizard yeah. one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And the little rogue twirling around. Um, so each of these... If you find the nerds that are marked with like the D&D name, you can take this receipt and you can plug it into a website, nerdscandy.com forward slash D&D. And if you do that, each time you do that, you will get an adventure, mm-hmm. one of seven custom D&D adventures written by friend of the show, Kat Kruger. Kat's Ooh, amazing. I love Kat. Uh, <laughs> so good. And... um Adventures are designed for one DM and one player, which is super cool for this kind of format. It makes mm-hmm. total sense for what's going on here. And if you do all six, you will get the seventh for free. And there's also a pre-generated character sheet with each adventure. And they're oh, all nice. family friendly, which I know Kat is perfect at writing that kind of content. Mm-hmm. This is a brilliant promotional idea. Isn't like, it? It also gives me like, I don't know. Oh, I was about to be like, I don't know if you remember back in the day. Um, do you remember when we got like cereal boxes and they used to come with yes. like CD-ROMs of like, yes. um, like, like the roller coaster tycoon or things like that. Very, yes. very strong vibes. Or like when you had to like send in like a, a, a cutout of your cereal box, like your mailing address to like be yeah. entered to win in something. Oh, that so is good. the kind of energy that this is. And I miss that. Yes. Like we haven't, You're I don't right. feel like we've had that in a long time. Not to the same. I mean, I haven't been as excited about something like this in a long time. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. You're totally right. Yeah. The, it, it does feel like, you know, my cereal boxes are now quite lame and this brings yeah. back that energy. You're right. <laughs> Wow. It just it gives you a reason to want to participate in these kind of mm-hmm. things because like marketing, <laughs> we're today we're in just like we're in this weird space where like marketing crosses over to like people and it's like our brands are individual people and I want to yeah. pull away from that because they're still brands and they should be treated as such. So the way mm-hmm. Nerds is handling it, it's, they're still very much a brand. They're just partnering with another company to get yeah. us involved, and I like yeah. that. That's great stuff. Uh, this also means fans of the show know that I periodically try to benchmark where D&D is today against the height of the 80s, which I think anybody will admit, if you have my crazy brain, uh, <laughs> that the height of the 80s was when there was branded baloney, D&D brand baloney. <laughs> it was in I Spain. Refuse. We have photographic evidence. We know it's true. Um, thank you, Internet. And d and d branded nerds is just shy. I mean, we are at the cusp of the eighties we've been in the eighties in a lot of ways, but this is that kind of branding that uh you know we're really we're really close we're close to back in the eighties you had the d and d uh the little like plastic um, bicycle that you could sort of push around one of those little kid you know what? bikes that you could just push around that are all plastic with big plastic wheels and stuff. Uh, we had the birthday party set for D and D in the eighties. Is this real? So, really? Yeah, these are all real things. Oh my word! And D and D branded baloney, which of course the height. Uh, we were, you know, this is just we're there. We're almost there. <laughs> we're so close. I don't think we'll ever quite 
hit the the high note of D and D branded baloney, but nerds is a is a good <laughs> second. Really, it's a good second yeah. place. This is the eighties have received notice today. <laughs> um, yeah. So did did you watch any of the uh, coverage? These interviews, these kind of the hosts going crazy, and they, they spoke. The host spoke so fast, I felt old. I'll admit that. <laughs> I didn't get to tune into that. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a mix of I mean it was clearly a, a marketing drive. I think G4 mm -hmm. did most of the work this weekend yeah. on sort of aligning the show and kind of maybe scripting it or whatever. Um the uh and I think that was a, an experiment in that format of like it to me it felt like watching one of these talk shows like a today show type not even today shows a little slower than that even. Mm -hmm. But but it, it was it was a little fast paced for me okay. uh and a little marketing for me, but and my favorite comment of all on Twitch channel was saying, someone saying something like, this is basically just to sell their book. I'm like, yes. Yep. <laughs> yes, yep. it you is. You got it. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, Thank you for understanding the assignment. But I did have a couple of thoughts watching. One was that, that there was sort of so much going on with three books mm -hmm. that there wasn't one hard theme, right? Like it wasn't like we're all in the deep cold of Icewind Dale. It's frost. It's ice. It's mm -hmm. horror. Or Waterdeep, the big city show that we had when they did that D&D Live and everybody walking around in a Waterdeep experience. Or the Tomb of Annihilation Chult type thing. It's traps, it's jungles, it's lost tombs. Um, this sort of felt, you know, it was constantly ratcheting. It was like, we're going to cover Magic the Gathering. We're going to do something that's a little horror style. We're going to do something that's a car uh, carnival style. It, it really went back and forth. Okay. And I'm curious whether that loss of having one strong theme will hurt D D. my guess is not at all i don't i don't <laughs> think so especially if they're pandering to uh it's not the right word especially if they're marketing towards people who have the attention span like me like the mm -hmm. way you're talking about that that really appeals to me um i love to give me everything at two point speed um make it bounce back and forth and mm -hmm. uh it's wonderful it's cool <laughs> well i think people are really excited by everything that happened um so we'll see what other news breaks from this yeah. as time goes on. Um, let's switch topics to Acquisitions Incorporated. Ooh, the C tell. team was back. This last weekend also was PAX Online. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the 17th, the C team gathered again under DM Jerry Holkins. And they uh, dug into why Omen Drawn is sort of like hidden away in this pocket dimension. Um, I am about halfway through. I have laughed so much watching this. Oh my gosh, it that's is, great. It's like watching old friends. It's so good. They did mm -hmm. say they're going to be back in August, so I'm super excited about that. Um, yeah, catch it. There, there's a link in the show notes, and they just today provided the direct link as well. Nice. Yeah, I yeah, love that's the C team. To look forward to. Hell yeah. And, and, you know, we didn't talk a lot about the live streaming during D&D Live. Kate Welch, who's one of the players on the C team, ran a fantastic game with Jack Black and um, uh, the, the Clerks folks. It, just, uh, it was just, it was so ludicrous. So many parts of it were super imaginative, creative. <laughs> uh, the kind of D&D that only select DMs like Kate Welch can pull off. Yep. Um, <laughs> It was a lot of fun. Oh, a lot of the streams that, were pretty pretty good to watch. I had a good time. I watched parts of all of them, and they, they were really Same. entertaining. Caught a and, couple snippets just to be like, oh, my God, look at that cast. What adventure yeah. is this? This is good. This is chaos. You yeah. know, that makes me happy. Amazing. 
Uh, on the Magic the Gathering side, people are starting to get their cards, but also we had the third free adventure drop, which is promoting the Magic the Gathering card set. Uh, we covered the previous two in previous episodes. This is now at ninth level before they were eighth. The Verdant Tomb is written by Will Heinmark, and we've been following the trail of this evil plane-traveling villain. Now we go to his grandmother's tomb, and there are some neat things, very tiny, minor spoilers. There's a shambling mound that oh, killed yes. a tomb robber, and therefore the bones are inside, sort of composting. So Ooh. the wraith that rose from this dead tomb robber lives inside the shambling mound and moves with it. What? That is a really cool way to what? boost a fight to a higher level. I loved it. Put a creature wow. in a creature. It's <laughs> the kind of thing Will thinks of. Um, oh gosh, that's great. And there's some nice small stories here, like what happened to these grave robbers that were here. Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of thing that lets each DM kind of decide how to impart that knowledge and, and tell a little story about it. Um, there's an interesting new spell in the adventure and a new magic item, which could be a lot of fun for DMs. I won't spoil it, but, uh, but it has some <laughs> neat design angles. So that's cool. I love that. I'm always a fan of new items. Give me new yeah. magic items. Let me use them just for not the purpose that they're made for. Any other purpose <laughs> possible. This is why my favorite uh, magic items are always things like an alchemy jug. Yes, yeah. give me a jar of mayo, you know? Mm -hmm. like <laughs> oh, man. In other industry news, the hobby game sales topped $2 billion for 2020 for the first time. Um, that is a 21% growth. It was 1.675 billion in 2019. So 2020 Dang. was just over 2 billion. Um, the results by channel, meaning strata of the hobby were mixed. The, uh, Kickstarters, mass merchants, online retailers all went up surprise due to the pandemic specialty mm -hmm. retail chains were down. Um, mm -hmm. RPGs grew an impressive 31% in oh 2020. Word. And that's on top of 2019, which had been 23% growth. Oh, my word. And almost as surprising is the fact that this takes us to about 105 million. Yeah. Um, which doesn't feel that big. It's not actually a big number, but for our yeah. tiny industry, it's so exciting. Yeah. There are bad movies that do that, but... Uh, right. But, you know, and bad <laughs> video games. But... Um, but still, we are growing and are now above 105 million. Um, board games also grew 19%. Dice and card names had about the same growth. So it was really strong all across. And I think what a lot of the hobby is wondering, you know, can we sustain this? Or as things open up, <laughs> if we ever open yeah. up, uh, does this change? You know? <laughs> totally, totally. And I think every brand out there is trying to, you know, all the big companies, whether it's wizards, whether it's board game companies, they're trying to keep that going, right? That's their number one mission. Yeah. They need that hybrid solution where online and in person are both things that can be profitable. Yeah. Uh, on that idea of keeping things growing, WizKids has not at all slowed down. Oh, <laughs> wow. What they got for us then? No, you will. I mean, I can't believe this. You're talking about me being a collector. This is where I sit down and cry because I can't do all this. Wand of Orcus, 30 inches long oh on gosh. a wall mount, 150 bucks. Oof. Oof. I mean, that is a big price, but how cool would that be in your gaming room? The, the Wand of Orcus? If you told me this in the 80s, I think I, I might have murdered someone to get it. No, I can't really <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, though. You know anybody's house you go to that has that mounted on their yeah. wall? Instantly cool. 
instantly cool. cool. Yeah. I need that. Uh, and a Freedy holding a sort of mail clad fighter based on the first edition cover of the DMG for $250. Oof. So we're clearly getting into these like collector's item figurine type things. You're not even going to use this to play. Like, no, gosh, no. it's a not for that weird price. scale. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting about this is the original cover has sort of the helpless maiden in his hand. So transforming this to be a male fighter was very cool. Good update on them. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's based on the classic DMG cover. Um, another one was an adult gold dragon, $90 with removable flame. Removable and flame. I love, I love big minis and I love removable flames. The, the red one that I have has that, but um, a gold dragon is just not, there are, there's like an, uh, an Eberron adventure that has it and some things like that. But like, you know, you just don't get high utility for that for $90. No, the appeal of a gold dragon, it's not, I've no. never run an adventure with one. I'm yeah. sure they're lovely, but it's just, they're not as cool mm -hmm. to me. Uh, more reasonable, all three figures for $80 are the Archdevils Bael, Bell, and Zariel. Zariel, if you want to go deep into the devils. The Zariel mini looks particularly cool. Um, and one that I really, when I saw this, I thought this was so cool looking. Jublix, the Demon Lord of Slime and Ooze, for $70. Ooh. And it's this incredible green-black goo with, like, eyes, and it's all emerging from a broken stone well. This you could use for any kind of, like, really cool ooze terror threat kind of thing. i mean just beautiful and it also will look great just on a you know stand somewhere but <laughs> who doesn't love uh, a little bit of ooze here and there I mean, good aesthetics true. yeah it's true bring tissue uh <laughs> arch devil garyon is 50 dollars coming out with big huge wings and lower snake body and then nice. there's the, whiskers has these big like dragon heads and things you can mount on walls they now have the owlbear trophy plaque it's the head of an owlbear mounted on a seemingly wooden plaque, 450 bucks. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Hear me out though. Yeah. I am vegetarian. I don't believe yeah. in, uh, I, I don't hunt recreationally or anything. So like never in my life have I ever considered that I have the opportunity to mount a, a animal's <laughs> head upon my wall. And now you're telling me I can get an owl, <laughs> owlbear trophy plaque yeah. on my wall. Yeah. It's pricey but also to not have to hunt a real animal and do any of that work involved yeah. uh, that's kind of solid yeah and owlbear fans are, are plentiful we've seen oh, that on twitter yeah uh, i you, love them this joins their line of they have a, a mind flare head they have a <gasps> beholder that you can hang from your ceiling what yeah oh it's incredible yeah check these out at whiskids they're all around this similar price it's, it's a painful price but but you do get this, you know, very big, huge thing. It's the size of almost like a poster that you'd put on your wall and, and, yeah. and it requires like mounting screws to go into studs <laughs> in the wall. Like you can't just put that into your blaster. Um, oh my God. Yeah, they're all amazing. They have several of the dragon heads. I, I dream of having these. I, it's the constant joke with my family that, <laughs> you know, anything that we, any big purchase we consider, I will say, we could get that red dragon head for me. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> One day, one day, my one friend, day. you will get one. Uh, and things that you would not think would continue to exist, but there is another board game in the adventure system of board games. These are those games like uh, Castle Ravenloft, Ashardalon, where you can play okay. solo or with friends yep. and sort of a simplified D&D &D version. Um, so this one is called Ghosts of Salmarsh, and it includes a save the town game mode that places the tiles down. You don't explore like you normally do putting down tiles. Mm -hmm. So it's different than previous adventuring system games. 
Um, it's only $50 for the board game and $90 for premium edition that adds only eight pre-painted miniatures. So eh, I don't know about yeah, that, but eh. $40 for eight <laughs> minis. Like, woo. Um, no point. Buy the board game and bring in your own minis. Yeah, but it is uh, available. Um, one thing that I found much. recently, I shared this on Twitter because these things are all available on dndmini.com, which is the WizKids site. I recommend not buying there and buying from your local retailer or a different place because I ordered on April 26th from dndmini.com mm -hmm. and I am still waiting on some of my order. Oh my gosh. Wait, some of your, you received some of your order? Some of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ordered, it was just five things. They were all marked as being available. Yeah. And two of them came and I'm still waiting or three, two in a promo. And then I'm waiting for, you know, the other you two. You probably email because it sounds like it I might have, have got lost. I have yet to hear back from them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it is, It they're clearly like, and I know there's pandemic stuff, but they clearly are routing to their retail people. Mm -hmm. and to their um, online sellers, because I can go to other places and buy this, this stuff that I'm waiting for. Um, and I've seen online retailers actually replenish their stock in the time oh, wow. that I've been doing this. So it's clear that if you, you're like the last priority. And yep. I'm sorry, a sale is a sale. You need to kind of get me my stuff. You know, mm -hmm. it's one thing if you want to say out of stock, but if you told me I could buy it. I'm just, I'm still stuck at the fact that you received half of it and not the other half. Like, yeah. who was packaging? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then more shipping for them, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we have two last quick items. Uh, Chris Spivey speaks out about the challenges for small companies. Chris Spivey is a designer of a number of things, including the acclaimed Harlem Unbound. Oh, uh, so and Haunted West is coming out soon. And he, on his Twitter, had talked about the challenges a small company faces and how people often assume a huge level of success based on being published and having praise and winning awards for these books. But he says, you know, there are very few actual plays out there for my game, a handful including my own. You have, uh, I have a few scores of devoted fans on social media. Thank you. Harlem Unbound was profitable, but barely. And tries to clear up some of the misconceptions fans may have about how big a company is, mm -hmm. how successful studios are as independent third-party type studios. Um, and he openly wonders, you know, how am I supposed to grow beyond my current size? How does one make it? And kind of encourages people to have a discussion. The Twitter thread is linked in the show notes. Um, I think these are really important conversations oh, for our hobby guess. to have. Um, especially like it's that, that level of success that people assume that you have. Um, and that really goes for a lot of game designers. And I know folks who are still hustling uh, and they might have 6,000 followers on Twitter. So folks think like, oh, wow, they've made it. No, no, they still have a day job. You know, they still yeah. write at midnight when like their kids are sleeping. And that's the only, <laughs> you know, bit of silence that they can get. Like it's not it's not yeah. easy going. It is a yeah. constant grind. Um, and I think and folks, just as with influencers, right? People ex yeah. think that anybody that has a, a known entity recognized and so on, that somehow money is freely available for them and success. Right. And, yeah. Harlem Unbound is a really funny one, too, in the sense that, like, uh, I've been told this. Um, so first off, Harlem Unbound is, uh, like, a setting in Call of Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. um, so we're already dealing with, like, Call of Cthulhu deals with, you know, some pretty intense stuff. And that's not always everybody's jam. So you've got the horror aspect. And then it takes place in Harlem. And I am a black Canadian, but I have had people tell me, um, I don't want to play a game where I have to be a black person because I'm not comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not what? 
No, no. You, we can play on the set. You can be whoever you want, but we're still going to be dealing with the consequences of this world that has been created. Right. And there will be some things that might make you uncomfortable, but hey, that's Call of Cthulhu. Uh, so yeah. I've had issues trying to get folks to, to play this with me. That's tough. It's really tough. I've thought about that too with a friend of mine who's creating a very Hispanic-based campaign setting. And and again, yeah, it's that question. Are, am I going to limit my audience and, and are people going to have... Uh, which is weird it's, to me because we, we do so many things that aren't that. us or aren't a version of us as part of role-playing. That's almost the point. Exactly. I mean, I play a swarm of ball bearings when I'm playing <laughs> science fiction things. Like, I think I can maybe jump into this. You know, I, I think mm -hmm. I can handle this for a second. And maybe it's going to be really good for me to think through these kinds of aspects. But, yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's tough. It is tough. It's especially tough. And I think, you know, some of what's behind Chris. Chris Chris's, Chris Spivey's story applies to any role-playing game mm -hmm. but i think it especially applies when you're talking about creating black role-playing games or any kind of poc POC, honestly mm -hmm. do you remember cartel yeah. when that was released yeah um not only were people upset about it but they're like i don't want to play in a cartel i'm white i can't do this like what just this is literally <laughs> a role-playing game there are rules there are mechanics that you can follow so you feel safe and comfortable play with the group that you trust you know that you could talk to have yeah. that session zero and then that game is for you you know yep I get passionate about yeah. these things. No, I have absolutely. this conversation many a time. Oh goodness. <laughs> so it's it's a good thread, you know, and good to keep mm -hmm. in mind that these these small companies, they are truly small and they are it's it's a precarious thing for them. Um success is is not easy and and, oh. and prolonged success is basically non existent. So mm -hmm. it it's it's a hard place to be. Um moving on to someone who has had really great success, MCDM, they had their one point three million kickstarter <laughs> for kingdoms and warfare some time ago and now we get to see the fruits of all that labor that has been done by great folks like jameson Tucaso, uh so and the designers on this uh kingdoms and warfare book include celeste conowich gabe hicks uh justice arman mackenzie darmas sam Manel, all I great people all of those humans they're all right? amazing Yep, and they've all been involved in the magazine as well that, that we talk about, yeah. um, Arcadia. So the PDF should be, by the time this recording going live, available on the MCDM shop for $25. Because of COVID, the distribution of the hardback book, if you backed it, uh, is still being figured out. So there's no timeline yet communicated, but you can now get that PDF. I received a copy because I wrote the adventure in this book uh, based on a super awesome outline that the team and, and Matt Koval created. Um, all of it is gorgeous. I love the layout. I love this book. I'm the kind of person who I wasn't sure this was a product I wanted. Okay. Uh, and as I started seeing what they'd done with the idea of having a campaign that also has a war going on and rules for how that warfare interacts with your play, I was really won over. Like, this is a really cool system <laughs> and will create a really cool campaign experience that would be unlike any other. And the adventure yes. tries to teach that and, and facilitate that. So we've got a link to our show notes, which you can get uh, from the MCDM shop. So you can order that. Are there show notes at the end of, like, all of your, your recordings just like a, a, like a, so a novel's length? <laughs> they, you basically get the document you're seeing, B, uh, cool. and it is available to our Patreon subscribers. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you to those folks. So that is all the news, which, whew, that yeah, was a show worth it. a nose. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, news, news knows. Um, but I wanted to kind of at the end, because you and I are both on this Dune role-playing game, yes. share a bit for folks who might be interested about what the Dune RPG is and about the live stream we do. So, yeah. What do you think, B? What do we want, what do we want to talk about here? I mean, from my angle, I can absolutely talk about how amazing it looks in Roll20. Um, <laughs> yeah. I am a sucker for not having to do math. Um, and this is like, it's a Modiphius game. So it uses a 2d6 system. Um, you have focuses that can be applied. Um, you've got stats and like, don't get me wrong. The math in this game, the mechanics are very streamlined once you have it down. Um, and roll 20 just makes that so much easier. And I really appreciate it. Even like, I'm, I know there's not necessarily combat per se in this game, but I'm looking forward to once our adventure really picks up and we're going to be rolling to make decisions, rolling for intrigue, rolling to survive against the sand worms that is going to be what really takes me into the adventure because we have spent i mean we're doing like a learn to play stream as well with yeah. our audience um so we're really breaking down the content that people who want to play this for the first time can do so by following along with um more or less just our conversations you know we've made it rather easy and accessible for folks but we spent a good chunk of time making our world because it is yeah. the spice world <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is really cool. So, like you're saying, this is a learn to play stream, so you can learn how to play this Modiphius version of this Dune RPG. And our first episode was all about you build your house, and if you know anything about the Dune novel or movies or whatever, it's it's house warfare in a sci-fi setting, all around the fact that there is this planet called Dune or Arrakis that has this vital resource of the spice. And houses are fighting over it and doing all this sort of intrigue. So you, when you create characters, you are part of a house and you get to define your own house. You could just be the Atreides or Harkonnens mm -hmm. or whatever, but, but you can make your own house. And so we did. And we were a little bit silly with it, but it also has a solid basis, which is the House of Posh, because we're playing off of the idea of Spice Girls. Yep. But then I think you, think you came up with this idea that maybe we were into foodstuffs. Yeah. I don't even know how that started. I don't think it was me. Maybe it no? was and I was just hungry, but... Could be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the idea is that we, our house manufactures spices and food, but not the spice. Exactly. <laughs> not, not, not the, the spice, not other spices. Mm -hmm. We create the the kind of like TV dinners, but, but also we have this entertainment side. So it'd be like a TV dinner that when you open it, it like plays a little 3D video or plays a song or something. And so it's both your entertainment and your meal. And it is also in its own kind of an illusion, just like the way that shows and media are. The food itself, it may say steak, but it isn't really steak. Mm -hmm. It's something else we made in a vat on our weird planet. Um, <laughs> With our so, limited and then, supplies. And the last angle is we're kind of assassins, right? Like yep. or, or we have that angle to us that we will eliminate people who stand in our way. Um, and uh, our we have a mortal enemy. Um, we don't yeah. consider her our enemy, but Paula Dean has, yeah. you know, devoted most of her life um, to finding a way to assassinate our house. Yeah. Yeah, it's, which is great. I love um, it. I love having, yeah, you develop <laughs> your enemies. So we did that, which was really fun. And that was on like the first show. And then the right? second show, we made our characters. Oh, gosh. And trying to flesh those out, that was an experience. Um, like, I'm going to play a Fremen um, exclusively because I wanted a sandworm. And I had to really <laughs> consider, like, we're not on Dune just yet. We're on our own planet, um, yep. Spice World. So I'm like, how can I manage this? And when there's just, like, the little, um, what are they? Not called larvae. Tadpoles. 
Yeah. Um, so that's like these weird little noodles. Uh, so it made sense <laughs> that I just have a tadpole, my little, um, my little noodle guy called Spicy Poops, because they yeah. poop the spice, and yeah. he lives in a fishbowl with me, and I just kind of like carry the fishbowl in like my Fremen outfit, and that's that's the premise it. for my character. Yeah, it's great. I'm I'm a little jealous that you get to play a a Fremen. I think that's very cool. cool. I'm playing a Sook Doctor, which normally these doctors go through all this training and conditioning, like which is kind of like mind wiping, basically. Yeah. Where at the end of it, they cannot harm anybody under their care, and I basically skip that part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so I am both a doctor, but I'm also technically the master of health and nutrients. And and the (laughs) idea is that I'm actually into poisons, though I can cure you. Uh, and so, you know, people, I'm, 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 I'm a bit of an infiltrator and scrutable and, uh, and yeah, sort of the hard to read doctor that people are not quite sure that they're going to honor the, the care promise. And that is in fact true. Uh, and we've got like our character interactions when that finally happens as well. Yeah. And we've got Aliza Pearl, Cohen Edenfield and Justin Turner rounding out the players um, and then our amazing DM is Richard Milena Weber, yeah. uh, which is great. It's all on the Saving Throw show and on the Saving Throw uh, or on their Twitch and YouTube channels. We record every Tuesday at five thirty. I've been updating my blog post on the show uh, oh where you can gosh, find some notes. Yeah, so you can ah. have as the YouTube uh, release comes out, and I'll link to that. Um, so you can catch all those uh, episodes, and it's cool. Like I've, I've received some received some feedback from folks who say like this is really helpful. I own this RPG, oh but gosh. there's always that climb when you get a new RPG. Oh yeah, you how know, do you get into do it? Do what this? page do you start? I never yeah. start at page one. So like, what do you do? <laughs> yep, yeah, and and so this is you know hopefully gives people more utility out of it and shows you how easy it is to jump in and because you've already seen a group go through choosing a house and making their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and also on the video we showed, because we're using the Roll20 integration, you can see how easy that is and decide whether it's worth buying the, the Roll20 version because you can then you know surf through the different options and make your character in, in the character sheet that they provide and all that. So uh, pretty good. It all uses the Modifius 2D20 system, same as in the Star Trek RPG, mm-hmm. where you roll 2D20 and you're comparing sort of against your drive and your... So to the skill that fits and, and your motivation for it, it's a, which makes it kind of story rich. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. Well, next is a time fail. We'll... A one is a success. Yeah. Yeah. You're ro- rolling under. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to this, you know, tomorrow when we record this week, it'll be uh, the first time we're all really playing. And so yes. it'll be interesting to see as we start succeeding and, and using our various capabilities. We all have sort of interesting features that we can used to bolster we're all very unique humans in this yeah. setting you know we've got like you said some very uh special capabilities like i'm gonna play a smuggler but all i want to do is smuggle little sandworms yep. <laughs> yeah we've got a, a mentat we've got a bene Gesserit. um mm-hmm. elise is playing the bene Gesserit and cohen the, the like mentat. A, a space pilot a pilot uh, what are they a spacer yeah, yeah and, and justin is a member of the spacing guild uh he, um, because of Duncan Idaho, which he feels is sort of the the dumbest sort of like, are you kidding me? You really went with like a state name. His name <laughs> is Brad Montana. Uh-huh. <laughs> he used a, a state name as his last name and then Brad. Yeah. So it's, that's his own commentary on Duncan Idaho. <laughs> I think it's great. It's so good. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, B, for coming in and helping me through this awesome amount of news. Wow. Yeah, we killed it. What an exciting time. We did. And we're going to continue to kill it with our baby sandworms. Yeah, we will. Looking forward to that. <laughs> um, so I want to take this moment to thank all of our listeners and our patrons. If you like the show, please consider supporting the Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash MMP. B, where can people find you on social media or follow your work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter is at B underscore Zelda as well on Instagram. But that's mostly just pictures of my dog. Uh, and that is just <laughs> B underscore Zelda underscore. Cool. Uh, you can find me blogging at alphastream.org. You can subscribe there and get a free supplement. Ooh. You can find, yeah, yeah, I tell you, all about world building. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at alphastream and the forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com. And our podcast, you can follow on Twitter at MasteringDD. Mastering Dungeons is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Hey, B, what are we going to do now? Uh, I'm going to go wrangle some sandworms and ride them throughout Doom. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Let's go.